Hi everyone, welcome back to the Applying Medic podcast. If you're new here, my name's Chris. I'm a fifth-year medical student studying at Edinburgh Uni, um, and I'm also the founder of Apply Medic, uh, where we provide services to help people get into med school in the UK. And as part of that, we've also got the Apply Medic podcast. So today, um, having a nice conversation with uh, an Instagrammer called Eloise the PA, um, who has got um, quite a bit of a following, raising awareness of uh, physician associates in the UK and helping people get in to PA school. Um, so, hi Eloise. Do you prefer Eloise or yeah, do you prefer yeah. some other name? No, call me Eloise. I don't really have okay. any name. Yeah. Okay, cool. Perfect. Um, so, Eloise, um, do you want to maybe introduce yourself a bit? Just kind of give some some background into mm-hmm. um, who you are and, and you know where you are today. Yeah, certainly. So, um, background in terms of uni, uh, I studied biomed, um, and then I kind of I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but obviously, you just I picked a course that I thought was quite open and I could go into multiple things. Uh, and then in my second year of biomed, I realised PA was for me. Um, I had like a talk at uni or something, and you know, and like the the light, like the light switch just like flicks, and yeah. you just have that feeling that something's for you. Um, so that kind of happened, and then after uni, I applied for the PA masters, um, the physician associate masters, and I got into that straight after uni. So I kind of did it all in one go. Um, which the majority of people are doing nowadays. Um, and I'm actually three weeks into my first job, and that's in a GP. So I'm a GPPA. That's very cool. Okie doke. So you did biomed first. What what made you actually do biomed instead of going into something that was maybe a bit more clinical? Because it, certainly mm. from my experience as a medical student, I'm, I'm actually a postgrad medic myself. And oh. so... I did medical sciences at Edinburgh Uni uh, for four years um, in Scotland. And then I did a master's in human anatomy. And then I went on to medicine at Edinburgh, um, which it was quite... It was quite nice because it, it cuts off, if you're a postgrad and you've done medical sciences at Edinburgh, then it, it cuts off two years out of the six-year degree. So I get to do it in four, which which is quite nice from that respect. Yeah. But it, it certainly was the case for me that quite a significant percentage of my undergrad course mm. at Edinburgh uh, wanted to go on to medicine after yeah. they finished that degree. What was the kind of consensus during your undergrad degree? So I think I really enjoyed my undergrad. I enjoyed like what I was learning. It was a lot of kind of genetics and immunology and what else did I do? I did a lot of infectious science like virology um, and just kind of molecular related stuff. Um and I enjoyed what I was learning. Normally people don't, but I did enjoy what I was learning. But whenever it came to like practical stuff, which was in a lab, I just hated it. And I remember telling myself at the beginning of the course, like, I was like, okay, you hate it now, but by the end of the degree, like, you'll know what you're doing and you won't dread every lab session. And that just never happened for me. Um, and funny story I did I did multiple internships in molecular biology and then microbiology just trying like everything out and okay. I actually got the internship because one of the teachers in my lab saw me doing the the lab like practical and because I hated it I'd whiz through it as quick as I could 
and not taking any notice of whether I was doing it well or not. And he turned around. He was like, you're really good at that. Do you want an internship with me? So I was like, okay, then I can't, I can't, you know, can't turn down that offer. So I managed to get, I managed to get a couple of internships, which were like amazing experience, but they all just like solidified, like labs is just not for me, which was, it was sad because I enjoyed what I was learning, but I just knew that like, oh, they were just so boring. Like I'm just a people person. (laughs) Definitely. I can, I mean, yeah, the path that I took as well, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. But so you you did you have any idea that you wanted to go into something clinical like becoming a physician associate before you went to uni or was it just like you said a kind of light switch moment um, when mm-hmm. when you were at you know when you were in the course at your undergrad degree? Uh, I don't. It's a difficult one. I mean, um, I think I remember when I was in school and I got work experience. I'd always get it in a hospital. And I had two different occasions where I did work experience, just shadowing so many different roles in a hospital. And at the time, there wasn't PAs in my hospital. So I'd shadow anyone that I was interested in. I shadowed dietitians. um, I shadowed doctors. uh, I shadowed... Actually, I did time, like, in labs and stuff as well. Um, So I think, like, there must have always been a part of me who enjoyed the clinical side of things. But... I just went into biomed. I think also just, you know, to keep my options open, I did that. Um, but in my head, I kind of thought, okay, I'm, I'll end up in research because originally I was going to do a master's in research. Mm-hmm. Um, and like with my dissertation, like I got my first pick for my dissertation, which I found so interesting, but I dreaded the lab aspect of it. Okay. So, yeah, I just I just knew that like, yeah, it was for me. I just, you know, and just know. <laughs> Definitely. No, that's very cool. It's cool how you also actually, when you got work experience, you managed to still uh, shadow that variety of, of professions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's really good. Really good experience. So yeah. so then what was what was the moment that then let you know that We've just frozen. I don't know yeah. if you can hear me. Oh, you're back. Oh, yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> Did you hear what I said there? Sorry. No, you just cut off a little bit. No worries. So, what is it that actually made you become a physician associate mm. in that kind of light bulb moment, as opposed to choosing to become a doctor or a nurse or a physiotherapist or any other kind of allied healthcare profession? I think we had someone come into the uni and they did a talk on becoming a PA and uh, I'm not sure what his profession was. He was probably a doctor um, just selling the PA profession like in his hospital area. Um, And I think basically on my undergrad, I really enjoyed, uh, I don't know if you could tell from my page, but I really enjoyed dermatology. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) yeah, and my original thought was obviously when you're younger you don't really know what you want to do as a job but I knew I wanted something in dermatology and there was part of me that was like sad because I was like I could do all this work in dermatology but I'd never be able to like see patients while I was working like in research and stuff yeah um so when this guy came in and gave us a talk about the PA profession and he was saying to like to be honest that you can kind of pick the area you want to go into even specialities if, if that was what you wished 
I was like, oh my god, that would be perfect for me. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, and then like for GP, that's kind of why I picked it because mm-hmm. I do get a lot of derm experience. I think that I wouldn't have necessarily got if I was doing like my first job in a hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there are derm jobs. PAs can work in in derm, but in the UK, it's it's quite there's not many jobs going just because it's so new. Uh, there's less than 1% okay. of PAs. So, yeah. So that, that kind of brings me on to my next point, actually, which will also answer some questions that I have myself, because at least from my experience so far over the last two years on clinical placements, uh, working on the wards as well as in GP, granted it's only in Scotland I haven't been anywhere else in the UK but I personally haven't met a single physician associate um, during the last two years and while I was on while I was in my undergraduate degree doing a different placement for work experience I also didn't meet a single PA Um, so can and, and I feel like a lot of especially medical school applicants that you know if I've already been through so much of my medical degree so far and now myself have a limited knowledge and understanding of exactly what a PA is what a PA mm-hmm. does um, and the the route that they take um, to become fully qualified um, I, I can only assume that a lot of medical school applicants also feel the same way so mm-hmm. would it be possible for you to just kind of give even like a basic understanding of exactly what a PA is what you kind of would define a PA as yeah, definitely. So a PA is someone who's a postgraduate. Uh, so everyone, no matter what background they have, has to have a degree first. And initially it was people who came from STEM backgrounds and more specifically life sciences type degrees. So biochemistry, biomed, which is the gold standard on any kind of uni application. But people come from like pharmacy and not pharmacy, like, pharm- you know, pharmacology, um but recently they've been really pushing it for other healthcare providers as, as well because they have so many valuable clinical skills um so everyone has to come from a, a degree and then we get a master's on top of that which is two years so in total everyone's doing minimum five years uh if you're kind of doing the separate degree and then master's there are a couple of new courses that have popped up one of them being Reading, where it's an integrated master's, which kind of makes more sense. So you do it all in four years. Um, but just how it is at the moment, obviously, because you do them kind of separately and you need to yeah. spend a lot of time consolidating those clinical skills, it does take five years. Um, but in terms okay. of, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. And yeah. and so is it is it always two years for... Uh, a PA master's degree yes it's always two years uh, even if someone got the PG dip so the PG diploma so to kind of differentiate differentiate the two if you god forbid you failed your dissertation then <laughs> or you just didn't do a dissertation then you get a postgrad diploma um, yep. but it just it doesn't change your title at the end um so yeah it's always two years for the master's and in America, who are much more established than us, is actually three years on top of a first degree, which is crazy. I wouldn't do three wow. years. Okay. Yeah. So, so for the two years, during and I, it, just to kind of 
get an understanding of how it is to actually apply for physician associate is it like I'd, I'd assume you you don't apply through like UCAS like you do for undergrad courses in the UK it's like maybe is it their own uh, um, does each uni have their own kind of application system so yeah so well it's changed now because it was very new when I, well it, it's still new but when I was doing it you did have to apply through each uni so I was very lucky that I basically applied to as many as I could to in, increase my chances of getting in and I could basically pick the one I wanted um but in the last two years because I've had people telling me you have to apply through UCAS um so it kind of comes down to you have to pick your top five or whatever it is for UCAS okay and you can't you kind of because you have to write your personal statement obviously you kind of have to pick the job you want and it it stops people from applying for like several degrees if you know what I mean okay and so how how was PE school for you like what what did you actually do like what was the kind of the structure of it through those two years so for me personally in my first year it was more uh kind of in lectures like theoretical stuff um it was very intense if you think uni people hardly have any uni hours but for us it was nine to five or nine to four if we were lucky every day five days a week um we had Wednesdays, which were our like clinical days, where we'd get taught, you know, examinations, procedure skills, all that. And then Thursdays would be uh, GP placement in first year. Um, and then, yeah, so the rest of the days were um, in lectures. Uh, and then in my second year, it's mainly placement based. And I had, we were given a to like to actually get the like PA you know credits you have to do 1000 and 1006 what was it um well 1600 hours I think of placement I think my uni was pushing for 1700 which is absolutely ridiculous in a year <laughs> that's ridiculous that's and it work- yeah it works out as like I think I had 40 hour placements a week and then in a and I did 45 hours a week. Okay. But honestly, like, you just, it's so, like, so much pressure. Because you have, like, your dissertation to write in second year and you're revising for your exams. Yeah, yeah. You're in placement full time, like, it's like the military. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Okay, so that's that's really interesting. And so two years and... It's, I suppose it's kind of quite similar in medicine in that respect in that the, the first couple of years are mostly theoretical and you have mm-hmm. a lot of lecture-based education and then uh, in the kind of second half of the degree, you gradually, you, you kind of wean yourself into it by, at least in Edinburgh, we did uh, one day a week in GP in our second year and then you have to do the intercalation in the third year, but then by fourth year... Uh, you do, at least for those, it was like one week on, one week off mm. of placement and online learning. And then by fifth year, it was all placement. So, um, yeah, it, it does it does seem like it's kind of a, a similar structure. Yeah. So then when when you were on the wards or when you were in GP, like when you were on placement, what, what were the typical things or sign-offs that a physician associate would would have to get because mm. um I just I, I find it I'd find it quite interesting to figure out for myself what exactly is the the remit of yeah. uh, a physician associate because 
at least for those in our fifth year, it's a lot of uh, you know clerking in patients, doing a full history examination, going back to the doctor's room, presenting that to the the registrar or the consultant, and then discussing that. Us giving them kind of general impressions, what we think the management plan should be, all of that kind of thing, um, as well as you know just being able to do a lot of the kind of core clinical skills that you would expect uh, from yeah. from a doctor. So. What is it a similar kind of sign off based system? And like, what are the kind of things that a physician associate um, is is allowed? What is a fully qualified physician mm. associate allowed to do essentially? So, from what you said, it actually sounds like it sounds quite similar. Um, during my placements, I'd say like a normal day for me uh, would be I'd turn up when they had the ward rounds, I'd help be writing the notes. Um, in the patient notes Um, and then after the ward rounds uh, that's when I do my skills and in terms of skills I mean I don't really know who I guess I could compare it to what you're doing on your course Um, but in terms of skills there's not anything really that you're not allowed to do in terms of like bloods I'll get on to certain things we're not allowed to do but in terms of you know procedures like taking bloods ABGs NG tubes we still have to get all that signed off. It's not like, oh, you're a PA, you can't do ABGs. Um, so in terms of skills, yeah, what was I doing? I did bloods in first year. I kept them up in second year, but it's not technically a sign-off. Um, what else did I do? Can't think. Can you think of any other sign-offs that have left my mind? <laughs> any other sign-offs? Just like all the kind of, well, I mean, for me at least, it was all the, it's all the core kind of clinical skills, whether it's in certain cannulas, taking bloods. Oh, yeah, um, of course. Cannulas, catheters. Like, yeah, supplemental yeah. option as well. Like all, all those kind of things. Yeah, all those type of things. We have to do all of them. Um, so I try and get a few of them done each day. Um, and then I'd practice like examinations. I'd practice taking histories from patients and then like presenting it to whoever my supervisor was and proposing um, like a differential and then uh, like a management plan. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, what we can't do as PAs at the moment, because we're not regulated, uh, technically we can't prescribe. However, when I was kind of in my placement, when I was like reviewing my management plan with them or my kind of proposed treatment, um, I'd still cover the management plan. I'd still cover like the the treatment, if you wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they needed, I don't know, if they needed a steroid, I'd still say I'd give this this patient prednisolone. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah Just definitely. so I'm still learning it. Um, because, yeah, in our, in our exams, you're still expected to know uh, treatment. And we, we do like, pharmacology modules and pharmacy modules okay um, just okay. so you still have that that knowledge okay so so then so the main thing that a fully qualified PA really can't do compared to a, a fully qualified doctor would be uh, to be able to prescribe is that yeah. is that the kind of main thing that that kind of makes the difference in terms of the like the remit of what you can and can't do yeah, because um, we're not regulated by the GMC yet. Uh, okay. So, um, obviously, it would literally be, even if places wanted us to prescribe, we can't uh, prescribe. Um, people who are PAs do do prescribing courses to strengthen their knowledge. 
um, if the employer, for example, I'm in GP, if, if the employer said, actually, I'd like you to do this prescribing course just so you can broaden your knowledge a little bit and really solidify it, lots of people do that. However, like, okay. you still can't become a prescriber. So that's just kind of like to strengthen your knowledge, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. so I think that's the main that's the main difference. Oh, and you can't yeah. you can't order anything that includes ionizing radiation, so like X rays. Right. Okay, but can you order other things like bloods or? Um, yeah. I can't even yeah. think like ultrasounds, things like that. Oh yeah, yeah, ultrasounds you can. Yeah. It's just CTs and X rays. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. That's right. Definitely. That's but that's because we're not so, regulated by the GMC. Yeah. So, okay. And is is there any possibility of PAs being regulated by the GMC in the future? Yeah, that's that's the plan. There was actually a, a conference today um, held by the Faculty of Physician Associates, and they were kind of partnered with the with the GMC because we're meant to be um, transferring to their regulatory body. Um, because that's the whole thing with PA is we don't have a proper regulating body yet, um, but GMC okay. will be ours. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of them, but there's another profession called anesthesia associates. I have heard of it, yeah. Yeah, and they're also going to be regulated by by the GMC. In um, we're kind of we're kind of three quarters of the way there, um, but it won't be until 2023 now, unfortunately, because it keeps getting pushed back. Okay. Well, I mean, it definitely seems like it's on track for PAs to just, well, I mean, eventually um, be, to basically have the same capacity to to do whatever the doctor actually can do. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure exactly what the, the the difference in remit is between PAs and, and doctors in the US, um, but mm. I can imagine because they're a bit more established, yeah. PAs might be able to, to do more. Yeah, okay. I think in, in America they definitely can. Uh, okay. I was speaking to a few American PAs and they have to get some, well, a couple of states have to get um, like a, kind of like a co-sign from a doctor as well, but they yeah. are prescribers as such. Okay. That's very cool. So that, that kind of moves on to something else that I was wondering, and that is the the postgrad pathway of PAs. So, I mean, I feel like you're probably in a good position to to actually know a decent amount about that now that you're you're newly qualified um, mm. as as a PA. So, and the, so you want to work in dermatology eventually. So mm. then, what what is the postgrad pathway? Because um, I'm sure you're probably aware that for for junior doctors when they qualify from medical school, they have to go through the first and second foundation year in the yeah. UK. And then after that point, they can apply for specialty training, whether that's core surgical training or GP training or uh, internal medical training, uh, mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. So they, they then make the decision after they do the first two foundation years. Is it a similar kind of process post-grad for PAs or is it different? Uh, I think I think for many years, um, there wasn't a set kind of foundation program as such and even now um PAs are referred to as having like their first year foundation training that some hospitals provide it's not kind of something that's you know like standard all over the UK um okay. for example so in GP I'm on a 
it's like a set program and I'm on a PA foundation training program um specific to primary care and that was okay. something I'm yeah that was something I made a post about recently because even other PAs and other employers oh my god my battery's gonna die let me just plug it in no worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that's okay so I, I didn't realize that there was an actual full PA foundation training program yeah. that was that was in place um so that's that's really interesting so yeah. then it, is it you you mentioned that it's specifically for gp so did you have to then decide whether or not you wanted to be hospital based or community based when you graduated from pa school uh, no so you can the amazing thing about pa is you can switch whenever you want you have a lot of kind of lateral mobility um i'm doing the primary care one because i am working in primary care but if i was working in a hospital then i'd do a hospital foundation training program for pa um but it's it's funny because i actually um in some of my interviews i asked the employers like what is your kind of training program for pas and they kind of say you know we're really passionate about pas and we want them to have a good foundation so we've actually copied a hospital in london um who have like a foundation training program for their um f1s and they just copy and paste it because there's no set there's no set pa program but if you if you find a good employer then they want you to do well so yeah they'll they'll offer you a good program okay that's really good so so then okay so that's the foundation program but then say for instance to become a a dermatology pa how how do you then go about specializing like that uh, so in terms of uh, choosing like which area you want to go into, uh, you just apply for the jobs um, on okay. NHS jobs or track jobs, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to, it's, it's a bit of a minefield for PAs because there's not really a set, a set way to do it. If I wanted to work in dermatology, I'd apply for a job in dermatology and hope that my employer <laughs> set me a good you know training program or had something in place it's yeah it's not quite as structured as as, as you guys have which is very okay. very scary but um I think if I ever did get a job in dermatology in the next couple of years for me it would just be you know a, a leap of faith and I'd hope that they'd they'd set me up like with a good career yeah yeah but it's just a risk that I'm, I'm willing to take, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's good. Well, I mean, it seems from what I've seen of dermatology, I, I've done, I did two weeks in dermatology so far this year, um, based in Edinburgh, and it just seems like it. I mean, the work-life balance seems amazing, yeah. and everything's yeah. really interesting in terms of all the dermatological conditions. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, if you want to do a, you know, at least from the from a perspective of you know going through the 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 doctor uh, training pathway for dermatology um you know you can have a a good balance of of medicine as well as surgery and and just mm-hmm. getting a kind of mix of everything and which which seemed quite nice and mostly yeah. patient based as well so you know as there's not much in terms of uh, well there's not that many emergencies and uh, it's mm. mostly outpatient based so it's mostly nine to five so if you want that kind of that kind of lifestyle it, it seems really appealing from from that perspective yeah. um, but you know everyone everyone has their own preferences exactly i think it was something that definitely 
like stood out to me um I had dermatology placements as well and yeah I just I want something that doesn't like consume my life and maybe in the future that will change maybe I'll you know be able to do longer days and not need to have to get loads of sleep to be able to function and I won't mind doing night shifts but at the at the moment PA is just a lot more appealing to me because I need my eight hours of sleep yeah definitely (laughs) I I, somehow yeah somehow I I, I can't see anyone feeling more towards prefer than that that kind of style (laughs) of life Um, but some people do yeah um and you know teach their own I suppose but um yeah okay so then are you enjoying it so far on, yeah. on GP actually being a fully qualified PA? Yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. I think it's very scary going into GP because I think a lot of PAs definitely feel very out of their comfort zone because obviously okay. F1s, they wouldn't go into to GP straight away. Yeah, um, yeah. So it is very scary. But if you find the right employer, they, they give you a lot of support, um, like by giving you the, you know, they enroll you on the PA programme and it basically means that you have a a supervisor and after each patient I see I'd have to debrief with them um as I become more qualified and I know what I'm doing you don't have to debrief after every patient um but obviously that's just how it stands with me because I'm so new yeah um and yeah I'll get like educational sessions I'll get like an afternoon a week um, and it just means that you get like special funding and stuff if you're part of this program. Well, it seems like it's a nice structure. Do you feel yeah. Do you feel part of the team? Like how, how is it How is it working alongside the GPs mm. as a PA within the practice? Because it, it's quite a close knit team in GP yeah. practices. And you know, it, it, in terms of, I know that just from being on placement in GP practices, it, it really depends. Uh, with the personalities that you're with, how everyone gets along with each other, how big the practice is, um, whether or not you actually feel like a part of the team. Uh, how has it been for you so far? I think it's, it's been really nice for me. Everyone seems really welcoming. Um, the GPs are really, really like supportive. And they've even, because they've said to me, like, we know you're fully qualified and They've been really kind of, what's the word, like respectful. And they've, you know, they're trying to say, we want you to debrief, but we know you're fully qualified. It's just, you know, there's just that kind of like gray, awkward grey area because it's so new. Um, but yeah, everyone, everyone's been really nice. I think it's it can be a bit like, it can be a bit repetitive when people are constantly asking you like, oh, what do you do? Like, what can you do? And they're trying to like compare you to other roles to like mm-hmm. obviously they're just trying to get an idea like how it works and like where you sit and what you can do Definitely. sometimes that can be a little bit like oh because you kind of feel like is this, is it ever going to end um like the other day someone said to me like oh do you because I'm a PA as a generalist so we can see mm-hmm. everything um you don't just have to pick children or whatever and someone said to me oh do you just see coughs and colds then and I was like what no <laughs> I did not pay 20 grand to just see coughs and colds <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah I, I can definitely see how how that can get quite frustrating yeah <laughs> don't worry but, my, my my initial thoughts was not that PAs just see coughs and colds <laughs> um so so don't worry um but yeah I, <laughs> I feel like I don't know I feel like it's it's partly due to 
in the UK at least, how little is actually known about PAs and exactly what they do, what's their remit, uh, where do they work, is it in hospital only, is it in GP only, Um, and and where do they kind of stand within within the team? Because, you know, essentially everyone knows what a doctor can and can't do, what a nurse can and can't do, what a physio can and can't do, Um, but PA is just that kind of, it's, it's the new specialty. Um, yeah. that's, that's just kind of all of a sudden turned up in the UK and and it seems like people aren't very aware of it, you know, and, and myself included and, and I'd imagine a lot of other medical students um, don't actually have a, a kind of firm grasp of exactly what a PE is and what they do. Um, and I feel like your, your Instagram account is, you know, is, is part of solving that and it's, it's yeah. raising more awareness of PEs in the UK um, and... And what exactly they do, what they get up to, and, and reflecting on each of your placements, so that people actually get an understanding of the the breadth of knowledge that that you guys actually have to learn and have to be competent in, um, which which really is a lot. And so it just raises more more awareness, which which I think is a great thing. Yeah, I think it it can. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think that's literally the reason why people ask, and I think some people take it the wrong way. Um, like PAs can take it the wrong way when someone mm-hmm. asks what do you actually do but the funny thing is one of my friends who I was at um, my undergrad with when she got her first job um, it was in like something creative and I turned around to her and I said oh so what do you actually do then what's your job and I just suddenly realized like people aren't being rude like they just want to know what you do yeah so yeah I think some people take it the wrong way some people don't care it's just you know Definitely. Mm. So, do you feel like with your with your Instagram account, do you feel like it's had a, a positive impact? What's what's been the kind of uh, response that you've gotten from from creating this Instagram? Yeah. So I think yeah, I originally made it when I was in lockdown, and I was on my placements when I first made it. It was I made the account back when I started the course and my uni actually tried to persuade us to make these accounts because they were like it's good publicity for the uni and oh, the course. Okay. Um, but obviously like I made it I didn't use it because I, I had so much on my plate and it was when I was in my second year doing placements and I just because of COVID I ended up living alone for a bit and I just kind of thought like you know what like let's just like document what I do and I think at the time I just felt like I had such a weight on my shoulders um I just thought there must be someone else like who's like feeling the same mm-hmm. so I, I just started documenting everything I was doing and I followed loads of other PA accounts and then I just started getting more people following me from different backgrounds who were like either considering it or just like medical students who were kind of probably thinking oh what, what's a PA um and then I ended up getting people who were qualified following me and Sometimes you get messages like, hey, do you mind telling me a bit more about what you do? Because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, sometimes the majority of people are like other people who are like at the same kind of stage as me, just trying to like figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's really good. So, so I mean, from you having, I think it's just under 6,000 followers at this point. Uh, yeah, the I last think so. I, I think um, you're right. So, I mean, you know, plenty of people are obviously interested in, <laughs> in what PAs do, um, and I really think you're doing a great thing. Um, yeah, so, you. I think that's everything that I wanted to ask. Do, do you have any 
closing comments or are there anything that you want people to know about about PA? Uh, I don't know. I think like I think my main my main like reason for for making the account was just to kind of spread awareness and like document it so that other people can see what we do and I think I kind of took a bit of a gamble when I started the PA course and I ended up loving it and I realized it was for me but there's so many people who probably turn it down because they don't know enough about it and do you really want to take that risk Mm -hmm. when you don't even know one person who does it um so yeah that's why I made it and yeah nice would you would you recommend people take the risk if they were considering PA yeah definitely I think you can do so much I saw a job advert the other day which was a PA working in like radiology there's one where I've seen PAs that are specifically for like research and like audits and they're using PAs to like so many different things and helping with like the management side of um making like you know the wards run smoothly and stuff like that like I think it's a, a really good job for like having lots of different things you can do very nice well I think we'll end it there Thank you so much, Eloise, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And it's been really nice just getting more of an understanding of of PAs and exactly what they do. Yeah, no problem. Cool. So if anyone wants to check out Eloise's Instagram, it is Eloise the PA. And Mm -hmm. I'll also leave a link to it in the show notes for the podcast episode as well. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. Bye, Eloise. Thank you for having me. No worries.